This episode of Rolling with Ray is sponsored by the Texas Boot Company, located in Bastroff, Texas, nationally renowned for hundreds of unique styles of exclusive boots, handmade by some of the best boot makers in Texas. Head to toe outfitters, whether you're all cowboy or just from the shins down, check them out and enjoy free shipping nationwide. Visit www.texasbootcompany.com for more information. Welcome to this episode of Rolling with Ray. In this episode, you will meet the remarkable Terry Dewberry. Terry is the parent of two sons who were diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. Doctors often told Terry and her husband that it would be uncertain if their children would ever lead a normal life, leaving the family in constant state of fear of not knowing what could possibly be done. Terry started exploring avenues to educate her sons and eventually developed her own niche in homeschooling. Her two sons are now young adults and leading a remarkable life, something that Terry and her husband never imagined possible. Terry goes on into details of how she and her husband overcame the challenge of, of ASD. Come and follow along her journey. It's my honor and privilege to introduce you to Terry Dewberry. Well, Terry, thank you so much for coming on my podcast called Rolling with Ray. I appreciate you being here. Glad to be here, Ray. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is the autism spectrum disorder. Can you let our viewers and audience know what autism is? So we call autism a neurological developmental disorder, but I like to look at it in two different ways because to me that doesn't mean anything. So I look at it in two separate ways. It's non-development of milestones in young children. So when there's a baby, say from zero to a year old, we look for certain uh, milestones to be met, you know, babbling, eye contact, all these kinds of things. Well, those are the things that don't happen. The, but the most important one is the social referencing. So social referencing would be, that's the one that is probably one of the uh, biggest milestones that are missed. That would be like when a baby falls down and he thinks he's hurt. What's the first thing he's gonna do? He's going to turn his attention over to his mother and seek for what's next. You know, do you comfort me? Can you help me up? Children in the autism spectrum don't do that. They lack that social referencing. They need that face contact. It tells them what's the next thing that's going to happen. It guides them. And that social referencing goes on throughout uh, into adulthood. We use it. So when children don't have that, um, there's going to be, I think, sort of a, a ceasing of additional, additional um, uh, milestones. Now, the other part um, is then the birth of autistic behaviors. See, I look at those as two different things. One, we stop developing, and two, then you have the autistic behaviors. Those are the ones that look kind of atypical and look odd. So like um, uh, in, in my son, who has a very severe communication disorder, one of the things he did was echolalia, which is quite common. Echolalia is they sort of repeat everything they hear. 
and they just repeat it again and again and again and again. Okay. It can be quite uh, frustrating. Uh, and sometimes, you know, if you're somewhere, they'll just keep repeating that same thing. Now, sometimes they tend to clip and paste. They're intelligent enough to know that what they heard on, you know, SpongeBob, they can take a phrase and apply it in context when they're in conversation with someone. But that's not what we do. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we don't clip and paste phrases. Well, maybe we do today, but, sure, sure. but in, in their way, they don't, they don't develop the communication. The eye contact is not there. So we need that eye contact uh, because that's how we get information. So those are, those are certain things that you start to see these traits develop, um, you know, hand flapping, jumping, walking on their toes, uh, head banging. So those are some of the symptoms. Uh, so those are the atypical behavior traits okay. that you start to see, yes. So how did you know your children, you have two children, have two, two children. How did you know that your children uh, had uh, autism uh, spectrum disorder and uh, what age were they diagnosed? So uh, pretty much one received the diagnosis at age two, which is usually at the time that it's found. Sometimes now it's earlier. And my other son, not until the age of 11, because again, we look at that spectrum as to, you know, what they are. But for the, for the oldest one, um, didn't respond to his name. So you start thinking, is he deaf? Can he not hear? Maybe there's something wrong with his hearing. So there you rush off to the audiologist, get some hearing test because they don't respond to you. So you could call them by their name. They don't respond to their name. So that is uh, one clue. And so one of the things my husband would say as they start, you know, as he would 16 months old, 18 months, he would say, Terry, I have to hold a nugget right here just to get him to look at me. So, you know, it, and he wouldn't even look at you. It was more of to the side of what he needed. So they wouldn't but, even make eye contact. No. So there's no, there's no um, reciprocation of, of dialogue, nothing. They don't reciprocate the smile. Now, not all children, right? I'm only talking about mine. Uh, not all children. And this right? is when they're like three, four, five two. years old, no, two years old? No, before the age of two. This is okay. before the age of two. So they don't develop talking and then they want to isolate themselves also. And that's, that's sort of a, uh, maybe the, the worst part. Um, we would go to the park and he would just run around and run around. And, and again, my husband would say, you know, we could leave and he would never know mm. because he knows we're there, but we're not, we're not relating to what he's going through at that time. He's, sure. he's on his own. So they, they pretty much are very, uh, just on their own, and that's very significant. You lose all those magical moments of the traits of young children developing. So, sure. Yeah. What kind of a rehabilitation happens for a disorder or development a disorder? So there are very various, various different ones. Uh, the most common ones is ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. Uh, a lot of people like that because it increases and speeds up the response time. So, you know, if, if uh, it, it's a certain methodology that they do. So that's one. Speech and language is perhaps, I think, the most important. Uh, my kids, it started at the age of two, and one of them is still doing it. And he's still developing language uh, at this time. So that was my next question is, 
did the children have to go through speech therapy and were they on any type of medication no i refused medication only because i know that medication has um side effects so for me i thought well if i'm going to add the side effects on top of already the messy layers of autism i thought well then uh, that that just is increasing the work for the parent the clinicians the teachers so i opted not to do the medication i thought if worse comes to worse and this is non i can't do anything then we'll look at the medication at that I point. See. but i didn't do that no so uh you know i've noticed that you know i have a cousin whose son is autistic and uh, I, see, I, I see him, but then I also see other folks that have autism. And some of those individuals uh, tend to function at a higher level or a lower level. Uh, can you explain that a little bit to us yes. about that? Yes, about so, the functions? So it would be like my two sons, right? Now, we used to use the term low functioning and high functioning. So they're doing away with that. Um, it doesn't matter to me, but, but I did, what was not understood about the low functioning and the high functioning is the low functioning just merely meant that the child may not be able to navigate his environment at that time. Why? Because he just may not have the skills. So once you, you work on those skills, then that function or that level can start to go up. My son would be the example of that. So uh, uh, my, my youngest son, or yeah, my youngest, who was diagnosed as Asperger's, he would be the higher functioning. Now, what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean that he just did good at everything. No, he still needed to develop those missing mm -hmm. skills to help him adjust to the environments. They, they struggle in all environments, but once you get those skills in there, uh, then they fare better. But one thing that I wanna make very certain that people understand is that when we say high functioning, low functioning, that doesn't mean the student isn't capable of doing calculus at the 12th grade level. Sure. These kids are very, very smart. Low functioning only means to me, now this is just me, it just means that within their environment, they may struggle more so than the higher functioning kid. So for me, it is, is the, the, the sooner you're able to maybe work on those developmental skills that are missing up front at the very beginning, just focus on that. Don't worry about the ABCs and the one, two, threes. If you can focus more on the engagement of the child, then it's going to fare a lot better in the future because the child will put that information together. You just have to spark the brain a little bit, kind of jumpstart some of these skills, and then easily and gradually they'll start to generalize. Yeah, I, I know that you uh, you did homeschooling with your children, uh, but can you tell me a little bit of experience as far as uh, trying to attend your children's public schools? And I know there was a lot of patience, and but you, can you explain a little bit as far as uh, your experiences in the public schools? And, you know, at what point was the turning point that you said, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to I'm going to take these kids under my own wings and start homeschooling these kids. Well, public school was the homeschooling was non-negotiable for me. I didn't want to do that. I wanted the kids. I wanted them to have what every child had. Right. All the fun sure. stuff that parents can even engage in. Absolutely. Uh, but it doesn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen 
with us because everything is modified because a child doesn't relate to his environment, usually not as easily and not as good. So the turning point for me was, um, I guess I would just say the ARD process, ARD, A-R-D, the admissions and review dismissal. And from there they create the IEP, Individual Education Plan. Okay, so when you draw these plans for your child, it's not written that it's going to work, right? So what you do is you make the plan, then you discover that it needs more tweaking, right? So as you start tweaking, I started to realize, well, we, we keep moving the goalpost, <laughs> you know, and, and sure. it, it's that, that goalpost that kept moving all the time. I thought, well, we're never going to master the first thing we intended, but rightfully so it doesn't autism doesn't work that way you can't say well we're going to work on this and then boom it's done it doesn't work that way you do have to move the goalpost. the problem with the art is that um when when something is going on in the classroom and the teacher says oh this isn't working this isn't working you have to go back and schedule the art meeting that could take anywhere from 15 to 30 days i think which is the the law that they have to do it within 30 days so what do you do in the process and you have to do that again and again what does the child go through when the modification isn't made you can't make it right there and then they, they might make some but it has to be documented mm -hmm. so what do you do in the interim so education academics has to kind of take a back seat which is normal it will but so does everything else so like i said the goalpost movement to me was just not a um not something that 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 i liked and ultimately in one of the ards um i would constantly make lots of requests like you know what about this what about that well that's not very convenient <laughs> for sure. them and I meant, I think they got tired of me, you know, just asking. And the special ed teacher made a, just a wonderful statement. And she said, Mrs. Dewberry, she says, well, you know, you're confusing us with a clinic. We are not a clinic. We're a school. We're about education. And I mean, everything just, it, it was right. She was 100% correct. So my demands of what I wanted, which was a better, a better, a better, uh, I don't know. Environment uh, maybe? A, a environment that would introduce development so we could go further. To me was, if we can just work on those critical developmental skills that are missing in order for him to uh, attend in a classroom, be able to look at the teacher, be able to look at the students, be able to do those kinds of things. If we can train him to do those things, then, then we win, right? We it's okay Absolutely. if he's held back first grade, second grade, third grade. They're smart. They'll catch up like that with education. Education to me was not a problem. It was everything else involved. And so um, when I when she said that to me, I thought, well, then there's the answer. Then mm -hmm. you don't know any better than I do. Right. So, you know, what have I, what have I got to lose? Pull them out and let me see if what I'm thinking is correct. And let me see if I can get that done. Long story short, I did. And they they, they yeah. are very socialized in their environment. You wouldn't know. They don't exhibit behaviors. Uh, if you hear them talk, you'll catch on. Sure, <laughs> you'll sure. know because that is part of the disability. Right. But the job here was to get them to 
be able to walk into any environment and own their space just like anybody else mm -hmm. right and, and they, they can do it and they're very comfortable they don't have to mask they mask but it's not agony or anxiety driven for them they own it and sure. they are who they are and they're very good with it and that's what i work for so that was so it. i have this question to ask mm -hmm. so with your experiences do you believe in inclusion Okay, so so kind of what we were talking about. So this this was a very good question. So when I look at inclusion, uh, there were more parents on the side of having the child in the classroom for inclusion. Uh, and now hindsight twenty twenty, my question is: Well, who does inclusion serve more? The neurotypical student exposed to the child with the atypical behaviors, right? I mean, I mean, just atypical. They, they can go off like a bomb. And, right. And you have to pretend like it's not there. Um, so are we, are we doing the inclusion to expose them to that? Or are we doing the inclusion to help our children be able to navigate that environment without skill? right because you right. need to teach a child the skill in order to be able to navigate inside the inclusion so for me i was able to do a few classroom uh, uh, observations the school didn't like that but i did it anyway because i needed to know that this was going to work and so what i saw was basically they couldn't control autism you can't control uh, autism functions on its own it, and so uh, there is no uh, disciplines or, or ways. They have to work at that. Um, and so to me, I thought, well, we're going to be working on maintaining the child. So education is going to kind of, you know, float away. But sure. for how long are we going to be doing this? For how long are we having to maintain the child in an environment that just isn't good for him right now? You know, he wants to be alone just like at home. He wants to be alone. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. How do you bring the child into? So for me, it, it it's not a right or wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Inclusion is necessary because yes, you know that you Correct. have to be accepted, right? You know right. that. Uh, but um, I I didn't see how it was going to happen. To me, I just felt it was more about we know there's a pink elephant in the room. But don't watch don't look and 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 even on the parents too i saw that you know when they would see me it was almost like they didn't know what to say to me sure. and it was almost like oh that poor mom thank god right. it's not me i mean maybe i would say that too <laughs> you right. know i don't know um that, that was my next question is um i'd like to know and i'm, I'm sure you you guys have had some some tough times but uh, how stressful is it for the family and especially for your spouse and uh did y'all have to go through did you or your husband ever have to go through any counseling uh because i'm sure it can be very stressful mm -hmm. uh, as a family and especially your spouse absolutely no it, it 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 the stress pervades just like autism uh, you take it to work you take it to sleep it's everywhere you can't escape it because it's your child, he's there. Well, no, you know? not only that, but uh, you haven't have two children. I've got two. It's another right. one of my friends. Right. She knows who she is. She says that too. She always like Terry. How'd you do it? Um. So the first thing I have to say is that what I would like to say to people who come in contact with parents 
of children on the spectrum, it is trauma, bar none, it's trauma. And you have to deal with that trauma in order to move forward. And I did not know it was trauma, right? We think, you know, we have a kid with disability, that's not trauma. Well, when it's you trauma. when there's two types of trauma, I believe is, you know, you got the emotional trauma and then you got the physical trauma. Absolutely. And so where you can actually see somebody that's in a wheelchair, well, that, that person's gone through trauma. But when you're looking at somebody who has autism, physically, they're, 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 they look normal. Right. And Correct? that was that's what my husband would say, Terry, I think it would fare better if Malcolm was in a wheelchair because then they'd understand what's going on. But they look at him, he looks normal. So they're just shoving him through when he's not even relating to his environment. That is correct. And so the thing about the trauma is, and I think we talked about this, was that the parent absorbs the, the, absorbs the, the struggle with the autism. The child doesn't know, right? Sure. He doesn't know. So the, the, the parent is the one who, who has to absorb sort of the grief, the sadness, and then the comments and the judgment. And you've got nothing to, you, I mean, you really don't have anything. You're on your own uh, at that point. And so um, you, you envisioned, every parent has this. You have a kid, oh, I'm gonna do this sports. Mm -hmm. He's gonna play baseball, he's gonna play football, he's gonna do this, you know. Uh, you don't get to do that, see? And so everything changes. So now you're, you don't even know what's gonna happen when you come to your end of life. Who's going to be around for that child? Will he be able to care for himself? Will he sure. be able to? So now you have this just mountainous of grief that you have to absorb. And uh, you go to work with it. You know, you, you may or may not hang out with your friends. So yeah. counseling is extremely necessary. I was really glad that I did it. I was, my doctor sent me immediately because I just was a mess. Uh, she sent me there and I got on it. I was able to just get on the road and do what I wanted to do without feeling bad. And about what about it. your husband? Did he also and he do? did too. We both did because one of the biggest problems that in marriage, and they do tend to fail quite often, um, is one, you know, couples are very good at blaming each other <laughs> for sure. things. Um, and we're not exclusive. We, we were that. This psychologist said, here's the thing, you cannot make him feel or put on him what you do. And you cannot put on her, you know, and, and it was like, you have two different roles and you're gonna to have to accept those two different mm -hmm. roles because that's what it is. He says, and respect the roles and that's it, but do not make your husband do what you do. And husband, you have to do what she can't do. Uh, which is you take up those parts where she can because she's already taking up, you know, this this role of educator, caretaker, all these things that she's doing. So uh, uh, we're all both tired. And that's another thing, you know, you play that well, I'm more tired than you and no, right, right. equal. It is equal. So it, you have to really work on being on the mindset of the other one. And so it takes time but counseling is really necessary. Weed out those, take out those weeds, 
right? Because it's a lot of weeds. You're just getting into a lot of weeds if you just let these things fester and fester. And so the sooner you tend to them, the better. So is, is there a cure for ASD or? No, uh, just intervention. Just intervention. Just intervention and that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. And the sooner the better. Um, how are your children doing today? Can you tell our audience and our viewers uh, how your children are, are doing? Well, they're not, they're probably young adults. They're, they're, they're <laughs> still you, my children, yeah, but yes. Can you explain to them, uh, to our viewers, what, uh, how, how your young, young uh, teenagers or adults are doing? Well, they are doing very well. Not what we imagined at all. Not, not anywhere where we imagined. We are where we never thought we would be. Um, so my youngest does go to college. So, oh, let me back up. They got their GEDs. And uh, I was, uh, that I loved because they were in a classroom with a very diverse crowd of people. And um, they just, they uh, gelled really well with the teacher and the students. So that was telling, that was the first time that they went to a class mm -hmm. on their own. Uh, so it was, it was a massive success. They got their GEDs. I wasn't going to settle for alternative because I knew the, the, the academic power was in there. Mm -hmm. So one is in college now, uh, and he is a lover of foreign languages. So he likes to study most Southeast Asian languages, a little Spanish. He's doing French right now, but he can just, he has a knack for picking them up. That's so awesome. translator or uh, interpreter, it's, it's up to him. And my oldest, uh, with the severe communication disorder, wants to tackle college. I'm going to let him. Uh, but right now, he is working. Uh, they got him a job at a pet adoption center. And the people just love him. They love him. So they're like, he, you know, he does everything. And, uh, you know, if uh, he'll help us if we ask him. And so, yeah, yeah, it's going really well. That's awesome. And I know you've done a terrific job raising your children. And uh, I, I mean, look at them now. I mean, they're they're leading productive lives. I couldn't and, be happier. I could that, not be happier. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, what are the first steps somebody should do, or parents should do, if they think that or know something's wrong with their child? Uh, what what would be the first steps they would take? Well, that's the hard part. That first step is the hard part. And like I said, if you can weed out the trauma or accept it and learn how to deal with it, that'd be number, that'd be the first one. Number two, work on shutting off the noise. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be lots of noise. Uh, therapists, teachers, doctors, and family members. It's, it's a lot, it, you'll have a barrage of, no, it's not this and you should and you shouldn't. And, and so don't do that. Don't, you know, try really hard to first get very solid in your standing because that's what your child needs right and once Absolutely. you do that yeah so once you do that and that's what i did and it it, it helped because i had two so yeah. uh so uh that that would be number uh the, the top two that i would say third one is determine where you want your child to go he's still a person he still has his own set of skills just like anybody else uh, he still has all the emotional thinking, all the, but teach him to use those skills, teach him those developmental skills, and then try and get him to 
to see what path he wants to go. That's how I did it. So I threw everything at him. If they wanted something like, let's try this, let's try that. You want to do this? You want to do that? To see what would stick. In other words, mm -hmm. where they wanted to gravitate to. And so that comes after. But you're the mom, you're the dad. Relate to that child. Relate. You just, just It takes mm -hmm. time. And, and don't be thinking the worst thing you can do is, well, he's... He's now first grade level six. We got to do first grade work. It's not going to work like that unless your kid can. You know, definitely you want to do that. But there are some things that I had to let go in the beginning and, and get started in the areas where they needed help. And that's what I did. That's, that's what well, I focused on. You've done a phenomenal job. Um, we're almost out of time here. I've got uh, one more question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, you started your own consulting business now. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the autism just like that? Sure. So I started this because um, it, it, a lot of people that I would talk to would want to know how. How did you get there? And I didn't do this myself. I did it with a great team of therapists and clinicians that along the way I found if I if I didn't feel it was good I went on I was like taking a second opinion third opinion you move on Absolutely. right but you need to know what you're looking for and you need to know how it's done a lot of people want immediate immediate it, it's not it takes time you know you don't get results in a week or two it could take six months it could take a year I, you know I went through all of that uh, but lots of People would say, Terry, you know, maybe start and help parents who may want to know and, and uh, who may want to know what they can do to help their child, you know, what they can do. And so that was the whole reason. And if somebody's out there watching and listening, uh, can you can you give them the name of your uh, website and and where they can contact you? Sure. So they can send me an email through Terry at autismjustlikethat.com. My number will be there and, uh, it'll, you know, they'll be able to send me an email or contact me and, uh, you know, we can talk about, we can talk just once or we can talk as many times as they want. It, it doesn't matter. It's not, you know, it's just what is it that I can do to help you get on your path to see if you can help your child as best as you can. Well, thank you so much for being on my show, Terry. And, um, I just wanted to make sure that our views, viewers and listeners out there that are watching it. You know, if you're going through some tough times and if you think that, uh, you know, somebody or you have a, a, whether it's a friend, a child or somebody that's going through uh, that you may have autism, please don't hesitate to get some help. And uh, please don't don't be afraid to reach out to Terry because uh, she's had two children um, and uh, she's has a lot of experience with that. So I appreciate you being on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to cover or anything? No, no, just uh, thank you very much. And, and I hope, you know, I get to reach that one mom who just may not know and just wants to know what to do and shut off that noise and then how to set that path and how to find the people to help you get there because there are lots of people out there. So. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for being on the show. And uh, uh, again, thank you all for watching and listening. Thank you for watching and listening to my podcast. I want to thank the Grossman Byrne Foundation and the Texas Boot Company for sponsoring this episode. Make sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and on my YouTube channel called Rolling with Ray. 
Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Should you be looking for a good read, please pick up my book called The Life I Didn't Expect, Facing Adversity and Winning. And until I see you again, keep rolling with Ray. This episode of Rolling with Ray is sponsored by the Grossman Burn Foundation. The Grossman Burn Foundation provides medical, financial, and emotional support to families who have suffered a burn injury, and they aid in the development of a self-sustainable communities worldwide through public education, strategic partnerships, and teamwork. For more information, go to www.grossmanburnfoundation.org or email inquiries to info at grossmanburnfoundation.org or you can call 866-411-4423 for more information.